Well, good morning. You awake? Yes? Here's what I promise you. I don't yell nearly as much as your pastor does, all right? So you can relax, just be at ease this morning. Uh, but it's an honor to join you today. Uh, hopefully you brought your Bible. We've been walking through this verse, and, and uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn it, uh, open it, or we say turn it on usually, uh, to Matthew chapter 5. And, and I just want you to have that verse in front of you, and I want you to be able to go back to it over and over. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, uh, I just want to share a few things uh, about uh, my fondness for your pastor. Uh, we've known each other for a, a, a lot of years, not as long as the number of years I've known Aaron, uh, but uh, I've, I've been able to walk with Lance over uh, the foundation pieces of this church. And one of the roles that I serve is with your association of churches called San Felipe and uh, work with church plants in that, in that arena. And, uh, and so was able to be a part of a lot of uh, meetings and gatherings early on and quarterly uh, meetings to hear updates about what was happening at the Grove. And uh, I'm excited that you are, are willing and able to honor your pastor by allowing him some time away. Uh, it is uh, very much appreciated, I can tell you from his heart uh, this morning. Well, the Sermon on the Mount is uh, not new to you. In fact, when I read the email from Lance, it said, hey, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount like Matthew 5 through 7 since like September. So what I'd like for you to do is to preach on the Beatitudes. And I'm like, is this a joke? Like, are you kidding me? Uh, you don't trust me. That's what happened. You did all this preparation to set up before I would come and not mess it up. Uh, but I think it's wise for us to walk back through in a slow, uh, steady drip together uh, this morning. Uh, the Beatitudes, as you know, are not a, a, this a, a conditional promise. They're not an entry checklist into heaven for you or for myself. Uh, instead, they're a depiction uh, of, of what our heart really is saying. It's not a depiction of, a, of an anointed saint that has superpowers today. Uh, it's instead an invitation, as we'll see in just a moment. And I, I hope and see uh, that we'll walk through this together uh, with some, some courage uh, about the journey that we've got ahead, the ones that you will have in the weeks following me. So let me read this verse again, uh, starting, let's start in verse 2. It says, and he opened his mouth and he taught them, and he, he began in the teaching by saying this, this first few words, blessed or blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus begins the, the, the Beatitudes, and it's, it's almost this way of saying it's not what you think. I mean, I know you think you've got life figured out, um, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus might say, it's, it's not what you think. In fact, it's really not even the things that you see so often and the judgments that you make about what life really is. The Beatitudes, we're going to wrap all we're going to talk about today really around a couple of thoughts. Uh, the Beatitudes first for you and for I as we open the Word and read the Scripture, it's an invitation for us today. Just as when Jesus was preaching and sharing that day, it's an invitation for you and I to just glimpse at what life looks like, what real life looks like, a life that is there for the taking, a life that's not just for the super few, a life that is available for those that are willing uh, to, to see the things that God is up to. And so it's an invitation for us. And he begins by saying this invitation looks first and foremost spiritual as a reflection of those who are poor in spirit. So what, is, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, our friends earlier prayed 
the, the meaning in a sense, uh, the, this idea that you and I are bankrupt. We're bankrupt. We don't bring anything to the Lord of, of influence or of, of great notoriety. We don't bless Him because we've joined the team. If you remember uh, going through uh, grade school days, uh, being at Frost, right? You're in an elementary school. You remember the days uh, when you would divide up and there was a couple of team captains. Some of you began to sweat instantly. And what was the thing that you, in your mind and heart, you're like, just don't let me be last. Just don't let me be last. And you would scan the rest of the kids and you'd say, that kid can't even walk straight. This kid always drools on himself. I should be able, right? And you begin to gauge one another where you're at. And then there was a few of you that maybe were gifted athletically at gaga ball or gifted athletically at fill in the blank, dodgeball, uh, whatever sport. And you, in some fashion, had a little bit of a different reflection. You, you thought he'd be blessed to have me on his team. I mean, I know you could pick all these people, but come on. You're trying to be modest. You really want me on your team. And you'd start walking to the team before he would say your name or before she would call your name to be a part of that. Here, Jesus is saying the poor in spirit have total dependency on God. You see the life that you glimpse at. It, it, it's totally dependent on Him. There's no hope outside of Him. I see God as, as holy and I'm not. I see the things that the captain of the team has allowed for us to walk into and I don't add any other value to that other than being blessed that He knows my name. Blessed that I'm a part of being considered, that I can listen intently for not only my name to be called but the directions to be given. The, the format for the game all of these things for you and for I, as poor in spirit kind of people, it's an invitation to us. It's an invitation to recognize that my spiritual poverty is present before God. He's not surprised by it. And with that understanding comes this truth that I can't change it on my own. Amen? I can't fix this. I can't fix the things that I have broken in. The beatitude this morning stands opposed to what my natural thoughts are sometimes. I want more in life, don't you? A demand for more. I want to have a desire to be important, to be known, to have a name, to have a reputation. I want to be able to enter the room and, and people to go, I want that guy on my team. Jesus says it's that heart that missed the work that God's doing. See, the poor in spirit walk into the room and look and see the one who has created the universe and that he's at work and simply say, I don't deserve to be in the room. There's nothing about me. The, the poor in spirit recognize these things to be true. The proud in spirit, though they, they never walk this path. The proud hearted are more important They've worked hard. They want to be held in some sense of esteem. They want to be respected. They want to hold desperately on to their dignity. Jesus says the proud in spirit refuse to see life the way that I've seen it. To see the things in reality the way that it's actually looks, the, the way that things actually look. We fall for the mirage so often, do we not? 
Um, you Tom and Jerry fans growing up, anybody? Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Um, uh, Tom and Jerry fans. Uh, let's go back to Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes fans. Uh, thank you, brother. Uh, there's, there are times where the duck is out in the wilderness and he's frustrated and, 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 and it's in this desert scene. And, and at some point he looks and he sees this beautiful waterfall and, and, and usually Daffy Duck is swimming there. It's an odd thing. He never, never recognizes it. And, and he, he simply goes over, you've seen it, and he starts drinking in all of the water and then the scene slowly changes that he's shoveling sand into his mouth, right? Uh, he spits it out. The same thing happens here where it's like Jesus is saying, I, I want you to know it's not what you think. Life so often looks different. And those who would understand this, that would see a kingdom kind of expression that he is up to, they don't fall for the old mirage any longer. They don't look into the mirror and adjust the selfie and stick another filter on it and clean it up just enough that it's presentable. The poor in spirit say, there is nothing presentable. The best I bring is filthy rags. And instead, they begin to say, God, show me what you see. Jesus, show me the things that you see. The proud simply refuse the role that has been called for you and I. The poor in spirit, the bankrupt, the role in some ways is a very demeaning role. It's a role of a beggar. A beggar, like there's, there's no like reciprocation. I can't say, all right, if you give me this, I'll give you that. It's, I don't have anything to offer. All I'm asking for is mercy. Would you be willing to grant? Would you be willing to give? And Jesus begins the Beatitudes by saying, it's that kind of heart, man. It's that kind of heart, woman, that allows you to, to see more than just a glimpse of what life could become for you. It's not just the things that you long to hold on to. Sometimes the things that you're willing to let go of that define whether or not I'm poor in spirit. My reputation, my quickness to defend myself. Here Jesus begins to say the role of a beggar looks pretty similar to one who is poor in spirit. Nothing to offer. Years ago I uh, had a gentleman that was in our church at Water's Edge and, and uh, this was early, early on like year one. And, and God began to do some good stuff in his heart. Uh, it was, was really de-churched, unchurched for, for a decade and a half or so. And uh, he began to uh, attend our group and began to attend worship services with his family. It was a beautiful thing because his wife longed for this, and he just simply refused. And God had done something in his life where he was open. He wasn't open to doing a bunch of stuff or, or, or signing a dotted line. He just said, I'll, I'll come with you sometimes. And that simple start was a start of what God began to unravel in his heart. And he was at a place early where salvation made sense to him. God began to peel back the layers, you know. He began to give him understanding. He began to see the things that he lacked. And for a period of time, here was the place and the reason for his inability to submit to God's role in his life was this very reason. Listen. I have become successful in my job and my career. And if I say that Jesus has done everything for me, he'll get credit for that. 
Jesus didn't do the meetings. I did. He'll get credit for all of the leadership team gatherings and for moving the the needle and moving the aim in the direction of the company. Listen, I love God, but He didn't do that stuff. I did. I know some of you are like, boy, you've been crazy. Uh, and, And the response was still not of a place of a contrite heart. The man had not yet become broken and bankrupt. Listen, it was weeks, months before God finally got a hold of his heart and he recognized all of that is meaningless. There is something about being poor in spirit. I don't have to come to the Lord and say, if, if, I, if I come on the team, let me, let me just show you what you're getting. I've printed my resume for you. I've condensed it to two pages. Uh, it, it, we're showing God in some fashion the opposite of what Jesus says if you want a life that flourishes now and in your today and in your tomorrow, it begins by not having a platform or a soapbox. Just submitting. Just surrender. The Beatitudes for us is just a glimpse of what this life could look like. It's an invitation to see the things that Jesus sees in some way, it is this spiritual sweet spot for you and I of what it means to live life for Him today, what it means for us to wait for sometimes the tomorrow that God has still not yet brought for us. It's a sweet spot. It's consistent ability to approach life with this overwhelming humility to say that life is not going to be optimal or ideal very often. you figured that out already, Right? Um, The optimal life is really not what God is interested in providing for you. He's giving you something that is bigger than your understanding or your reality. How many of you are golfers in here? Any golfers? A few of you. Some of you are like, how do you define golfer, Randy? (laughs) There you go. All right. More hands went up. Um, Fellow hackers. Uh, There's a a graphic, I think, that I brought. If you guys can put that up. This graphic kind of shows... Uh, the difference between uh, contact on a club face for someone who is a Randy uh, versus someone who is good at golf. Vast discrepancies there. And it shows someone that is a 30 handicap and a 20 handicap, and you can begin to see that uh, this sweet spot narrows in. Now, the club maker, the one who designed the club, the driver, the, the, the iron, the one who designed the club has created it in such a way that there is a certain spot on the face of this thing that says, I'd like for you to hit it here. If you'll hit it here, for example, instead of the end or the toe of the club, testimony, <laughs> um, this produces much more favorable results in life. And what you'll see is it's not the perfection of the athlete, it's the willingness to continue to say there's a sweet spot that's been designed by the club maker and I'm just going to continue to swing. A sweet spot that's been designed by the club maker and I know that there's a potential today, this could be the round, right? And you walk out and you're like, I just parred the first hole, today is the day. And then you six putt the next hole and you're like, today is not, today. the day is never coming. Um... (laughs) And, and you struggle, but this gives you just a little bit of sense of what it means uh, for you and I to approach life as this, God's not looking for the super athlete. He doesn't need the uh, PGA golfer. He wants the bankrupt one. 
He wants the one that just says, God, unless you take the swing path in the right direction, I will slice this bad boy so far like you don't even want to be attached to me. And there's a sweet spot that has been given to us. It's not looking for perfection. I want you to see the sweet spot today is that you have already been blessed. If God does nothing else for you for the rest of your life, you have already been blessed. You have known the gospel. I pray today that you have received and have been changed by the truth of the gospel. And he starts by saying the poor in spirit are already living something. They're not waiting for this PGA Tour kind of ability. They're not waiting for God to just make life perfectly right. Blessed are those who are willing to change everything and fix everything. And then those few people will find out that life can be just like a kingdom. He says, for those who are willing to continue to swing and they approach the Lord with this humility and this sense of bankrupt of who I am, God, you have to take all that you have given to me and whatever you want to bless me with. You've got to make it sweet because you're the only one who has created this. Sweet spot for you and for me in this first verse, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's the sweet spot. It's our spiritual need. The sweet spot for you today is not your moral perfection. The sweet spot for you is your spiritual dependency. God does nothing else for me. If he doesn't provide the job or the interview, if he doesn't open this door, he is still as faithful to you today as he was the day before. For you and I, the sweet spot, man, it's our spiritual need. No biblical character that we could look to in Scripture had a life of ease lived a life that was void of hardship. Why do, why do you deserve something different? Because you, you give? I tithe plus some? Because you serve in your church? Because you love the little people, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white? Is it because you're an American? See, the poor in spirit are willing to submit themselves to what life looks like. It's an invitation just to see a glimpse of the reality that life is flourishing even when it's hard. It can be. Not perfect. There's a few guarantees let me give you. Life is, this is like your grandpa. All right, grandpa is going to get up. He's going to say a few things. Let me tell you something. Uh, all right. Uh, that was different than mom. Mom would get up and say, let me tell you what you're not going to do. Uh, Grandpa would get up and say, let me tell you, like he's going to exchange some wisdom. And, and a lot of times it was pretty good, right, if, if, uh, if you had some of those experiences. Sometimes he got a little bit crazy, uh, and Grandma would usher him out. Here's a few guarantees. A few guarantees today. Life will be hard, number one. Any surprises there? No, good. Number two, you will be impoverished in some level of your life. God will bring you through a place of poverty. I guarantee it. And you may be among those that are blessed, that it may, it may not be today uh, in, in poverty financially, 
But you will walk through poverty in some form or fashion. You will be impoverished in seasons in your marriage. You will go through difficulties in relationships. You will have a Jerry Springer Thanksgiving. <laughs> you, will, you will go through a difficult season in your job and in your career. You will go through challenges in some capacity. Let me give you a guarantee. Your ideal is not, it's not real. I can guarantee it. And the reason is because God wants something better than your ideal. My ideal is selfish. Can I just confess that? My ideal is Randy-centered, God-sized, small, just large enough to rub the bottle and get something else from him. Jesus will not be that for you. He won't be it for me. And so he'll take you through, I guarantee some challenges and some difficulty. Herein lies your testimonies all around this room this morning. The testimonies of what you have walked. Listen, some of you, if, if, if you could get up and say, hey, captain of the team, don't pick me. I just want to tell my story this morning. Some of us would weep and pray because of the, the challenges that you have been through. And no one else in this room may know it. He knows it. And the invitation for you is still the same. You, today, you could see that life might still flourish if you were to approach it with a sense of poverty in spirit. Full dependency on God. Completely trusting Him with my today and my tomorrow. And it is in the sense that you are impoverished where you are the greatest, greatest moments of your willingness to say yes to what God's going to offer. Our poverty reminds us that we need Him. There's these guarantees in life, but let me give you a single invitation that Jesus provides today. It's to come and see. Come and see the life that's possible. From a sweet spot that He has created you of spiritual need, I want to go to this beautiful picture in John chapter 1. We see Jesus coming and he's, he's, he's choosing those that would be on his team. The disciples, right? The, these larger than life characters that we view as, as always doing things right until you read through, I don't know, one chapter of the Gospels. And, uh, and you realize, you know what? God is good all the time. Uh, and this is a glimpse into what it looks like for Jesus to give an invitation. And I want you to see this morning, the invitation started through another person who saw life different. He met Jesus. He was changed in some form or fashion. Verse 46 in John chapter 1, Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip, knowing his brother's heart, knowing his friend's sarcastic and pessimistic side, didn't try to argue, didn't try to defend or prove that he was right. He just simply said, let me give an invitation. Come and see for yourself. Come on. Come and see for yourself. I'm not going to make up your mind. You're a grown man. You're going to do what you want to do. No one's influencing or twisting or distorting you. But I'm telling you something good can come out of fill in the blank. There's the invitation for your 
testimony. That's your invitation for what it looks like to walk through challenges and difficulties, the real and not the ideal, to still trust that God is involved in your life. He's still doing something to provide for you as someone impoverished in spirit, sometimes stripped of spirit by his own design and plan to bring us to a place of humility to say, God, unless you, I can't. Unless you will, I won't. It's an invitation. Can anything good come out of a wrecked life? And Philip might say, come and see. Can anything good come from this diagnosis? Or can anything good come from financial ruin? Philip might say, come and see. Come and see that Jesus has an answer that's already giving a blessing. The blessing is that you have eyes to see. You prayed it earlier. There are eyes to see. There's this invitation this morning. There's also an opportunity. Here's the second thought today. Along with this invitation, of course, now comes the response. It's, it's the platform. Here's the invitation. Here's the truth. Life can be flourishing in the midst of challenges. The opportunity for you and I is to live that testimony. The opportunity is to live in the midst of the tension the tension between what we believe and the seasons where we're just unsure or uncertain. Someone in this room is in that place right now. I guarantee you. Randy, I didn't know you're a prophet. I'm not. I'm not. I just know that God is working in all of our lives. And this is the truth that some of you are in the middle right now of this kind of moment. That there is an opportunity where you'd look and say, I got the fact that it's not ideal, like we're living in the real right now. There ain't nothing ideal about all this mess. And I want to frame, and I think this is the beautiful part of the Beatitudes, is Jesus is saying, I want to reframe, reframe your mind around not just the challenges and the difficulties. I want you to see the opportunity that you have to live in the tension. Do you trust me? Oh, God, yeah, I trust you. Okay, well, let's continue to walk. Peter, do you, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. I need you to feed my sheep. I can't feed your sheep. You know what I've done? I, I betrayed you. Like, you know the real. It's not the ideal Peter. Like, I'm not that guy that you think I am. Peter, do you, do you love me? I need you to walk into the tension what this is going to mean for your life. Belief that I have created and hold everything in my hands. Belief that there is a kingdom that is not only to come, but that is today. And the willingness to walk in the uncertain times where it, my reality doesn't match my belief. Scripture just calls that one word. Faith. It's the, it's the opportunity that we have, the the Beatitudes are contrasting constantly this reality of uh, best life is going to happen to those who are meek. No, no, no. It's the, it's the guys that kick the door in and, and, and burn the candle at both ends. It's the, it's the ladies that have the capacity to have a certain skill set. And, no, it's the meek, he says. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's the poor among us that have been really given a chance to know what it looks like to have kingdom living. Oh, it doesn't make sense. They don't have anything. They don't even know what it looks like to have kingdom living. And he continues to present these contrasting understanding or, or views in my mind. 
Here is Jesus saying, in this invitation, I want to give you an opportunity to live in the tension between already and not yet. I wrote this down earlier, talking about this mirage piece. I put this in my notes. That God has, has given life today that is more real than the world's mirage that is around us. And God will give a kingdom that is yet to come. That's a belief statement. I choose to believe that. I fix my eyes and my gaze on that in my good days. Not every day, but in my good days. The opportunity is to live this life, seeing this blessing by accepting both the season and the provision that God has for you today. Let me give you these last couple of thoughts, and I pray they sink in because I think they're good. Life is going to have seasons. Seasons with things that we'd be blessed to not endure. I am not asking you this morning to not pray for relief or to not pray for an answer that I think would be unwise and unbiblical. I'm asking, would we be willing to go if God doesn't respond in the way that we believe or deem fit? I think, I think that's reasonable. I think that's what it looks like to be a disciple and a follower of Christ. Count the cost, brother. And if the cost is too high, who gets to define too high? You are the one who made you. Life will have seasons with things that we'd be blessed to not endure. See, the Beatitudes reject that idea that living means no problems or no difficulties. And these hard seasons require living intentions of belief and intentions of, excuse me, intentions of uncertainty. Listen to this. Even in the gaps of our good, in the place where it doesn't seem like life is good, in the gaps where there is nothing that seems to be good, this moment is an opportunity. An opportunity to, to trust the Lord, to live by faith and not by sight. It's a chance for you and I to live in a season, not forever, but in a season where God may need for you and I to walk through poverty. He's still the same. The second thought is that life is going to hold some provisions. Provisions from God that only can give in the way that He gives. Provisions of things that we've been beyond blessed to receive. Let me ask you, what's He already given you today? What's He already given you? Think, 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 think. Sorry, that's what I do when my ADHD kicks in. I just say it over and over. Psh, snap out of it. Think, dwell, gaze. Fix your eyes. Not on the provisions, but on the giver of them. Behind every good gift especially in the time that is this gap of good that some of you are walking, there is still a season that you need to reflect back on and say, but God was faithful then. And in today that seems, dear Lord, like a gap of everything that should be good and, and I want to be good, this, is, this doesn't seem like a blessed life. And I want you to hear the invitation of Jesus 
He's saying, no, 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 no. You're, you're understanding now. You're bankrupt without me. If I supplied all of the things that you think you need, listen, you would probably be in a different place today. But because you've walked through this season of poverty, because you've already gone back and seen that life flourished before and will flourish after, it's the relationship that you have with the Creator. Quit looking for the sweet spot apart from the, the designs and the specs of the one who made the club. I promise it's not at the, whole, the, the toe or the heel. I've hit all those spots on a golf club. It gets ugly. The club maker says, this is what it looks like. I don't want perfection. I want you to, to trust me. Walk in this direction. There's a song that's out right now called Gyra. Have you heard that song, Chrissy? You know that song? Um, a beautiful reflection of the, the name of God. Uh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And just the words of that song I've been listening to all week and reminding myself around this message that God has already given me the opportunity to see life can flourish in spite of the gaps of good. And I go back and remind myself of all of the things that I'm not just blessed, let's be honest, I'm beyond blessed. There was nothing I deserved for God to be graciously providing in this area or that area. Not just things, but people, relationships. Answers to places in my life that were broken. I think this is the reminder today that living life sees that blessing has already been given. And a willingness now to have a resilient faith to walk in places that are tense he says, I, I've already given, but I've not fully given. Oh, there's a tension that's there. God, if you love me, you would just snap your fingers and make it all go away. I don't know. I would prefer that you would be poor in spirit than proud in spirit. And I know you too well. I've made you. I need you to walk in attention with me. Every day you decide to do that is an opportunity that you reflect what I think is one of the most powerful verses in chapter 5, when you get to verse 16, we began to see that they give glory to our Father in heaven because we figured a few things out. Come on, we didn't figure anything out. We were poor in spirit, and God worked in and through us, and we didn't fight Him in the midst of it. We said yes and went faithfully and willingly. Let me ask you a couple of questions as we close this morning. Who do you know right now that's walking through some hardships, and they're doing it well. Not perfect, per, with perfection. These are the, the men and women that maybe you're involved with in relationship with, friendship with, that, that you look and say, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it with all that's placed on their shoulders. And it's almost as if they have this willingness to, to walk with the Lord, a willingness in some fashion to just walk the journey knowing that they're not alone. Maybe you should encourage that man or woman in the days ahead. Who do you know that's, that's going through a difficult season right now and they're walking hardships with virtue and with faith? Let me ask you the question personally today. Are you willing to trust the Lord? Do you have the courage to walk in a path of blessing, even though blessing so often and also brings difficulty. It's not the blessing that we think we 
defined. It's the one that has been given by our Creator. Let me ask you this morning, what comes out of life when hard seasons begin to occur? Personally, you demand your rights, you shake your fist at the sky, what? Right. Maybe it needs to become a place of begging for mercy out of someone who is poor in spirit today, bankrupt, knowing that God hasn't fixed this place that's broken, but he's given you the strength through his spirit to, to walk anyway. I want to pray for us this morning and ask that God might help us to take this spiritual invitation that he's given to us and the opportunity to live in our days tomorrow in this tension for him. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for, for being wise. I guess that's the first thing. Wow. There are so many things I would do different if I were God, and everyone in this room was grateful and thankful today I'm not God. Because we, we don't see with perfection. We are not holy in and of ourselves. We are still shackled in some form or fashion as the old man longs to work himself to the surface and this new man that has been created in and through Christ Jesus says and agrees with the words today, blessed are those that are poor in spirit, for they will have this kingdom. And the old man says, I don't see a kingdom. God, strengthen the new man. Give us eyes to see that life can flourish despite these gaps in our good despite the difficulties or the obstacles, even today, Father, as we think of our friends that are going through great difficulties, it's a chance that we see their opportunity and we want to encourage them. We look at our lives right now, regardless of good or bad, and we say that we are a blessed people. Blessed because you've given us eyes to see, not because we're spiritual giants that now have some equation to the end. blessed today to trust you. Not if we could be poor in spirit, but blessed today if we are poor in spirit. A kingdom that's beyond the, the pale, beyond the reality of the brokenness of the sinful condition of man. And a kingdom to come. A kingdom to come.